Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Shuttlepod Podcast. Today, we are talking about Star Trek Picard Season 1, Episode 7. I'm your host, Kayla Yacovino, and I am joined today by Jared Whitley. Hello, Kayla. Glad to be back. Good to have you back. So it's just the, the two of us today, a bit of a, a skeleton crew here aboard the shuttle pod, but don't worry, the, the rest of the uh, of the shuttle pod crew do not have coronavirus as far as we are aware at this point. <laughs> Dana! Hanging in there. Well, plus it's fun. We never do anything just the two of us anymore. It's true. So I hope everyone out there is staying safe, and um, luckily we can't transmit diseases across podcast airwaves, so feel free to continue to listen to the shuttle pod. All right. Um... Bad, my bad jokes aside. All right, that 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 was pretty good. I'm sorry. I should have given you. <laughs> I should have given you a wah wah, but I was just silently enjoying it. <laughs> no worries. Uh, all right. So, like I said, today we're talking about the seventh episode of the first season of Star Trek: Picard, an episode named Nepenthe. It was written by Samantha Humphrey and Michael Shabon, and it was directed by Douglas Arankowski. Um, and Jared, why don't you go ahead and read us the synopsis of this episode, which is brought to us by our good friends at Memory Alpha. Here you go. Picard and Soji transport to the planet Nepenthe, home of some old and trusted friends. As the rest of La Sirena's crew attempt to join them, Picard helps Soji make sense of her recently unlocked memories. Meanwhile, Hugh and Elnor are left on the Borg cube and must face an angered Nerissa. Is that good? All right. Sounds good. So, yeah, I'd say that's, um, a, again, a, just like last week, a pretty accurate synopsis. Sometimes they really miss the mark, but the last couple of them, yeah, that pretty much describes the episode pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like we always do, why don't we go ahead and um, talk about our just general reactions to the episode. So what did you think of Nepenthe, Jared? Okay, so do you remember at the end of Discovery Season 2 when we had uh, the the disco is sent like 800 years in the future, and then mm-hmm. we have Pike and Number 1 and Spock going off on their own, and it kind of felt like the show was bifurcated between two different series, and you weren't sure exactly what emotion you are supposed to feel? Because it's like, oh, wait, yeah. what TV show are you? I kind of increasingly am having that feeling with this, where I feel like there will be the dark, gritty Battlestar Galactica fan fiction that they want to do, and then there will be the uh, fan service, light and fluffy stuff that we want to see. Right? Mm. And and with this one, I clearly felt that, where it's like, oh, we here we have the cast of the Enterprise D back together again, hugging and laughing and eating pizza together. And boy, did this episode make me want to eat pizza. I can definitely... <laughs> They, the director succeeded with that. And then the other stuff was all, like, dark and gritty and, like, Hugh being miserable because all his friends are being murdered in front of him. And so I, I just feel like it's a little schizophrenic. And maybe I'm wrong, but that's the reaction that I have. What did you think? Sure. Um, yeah, I guess I can see where you're coming from. Um, I really liked this episode. I thought, oh, good. Like that. I thought the pacing was really good. Um, I thought... See, I, I, I do agree that there are these multiple things happening, although... It, it, it feels like these threads are starting to weave together into something more coherent, especially starting like last episode. It feels like these different 
uh, narrative threads are, are, are I'm ho- hoping are really starting to pull together into one you know tapestry if you will mm. um so so that kind of I guess I, I'm sort of waiting for that to happen, so so less worrying about the fact that it's a bit disjointed and different. So well, but well, you know that remains to be seen. Um, but I thought like what they did with the reunion between Picard and and uh, Deanna and Will Raker was really good, and I thought it pushed the characters forward a lot in ways that needed to happen, which we can talk about later. Um, and to me, honestly, when I think back on this episode, though, all that happened is the Riker and Troy stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it almost feels like, so I, I totally get what you're saying, because it does almost feel like the stuff on the Serena and the stuff on the board cube were almost like a different episode. Yeah. Because the lighting is different. The tone yep. is different. The pacing is different. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it, you're, so you're right. It is completely these two different worlds. But it felt so nice. I felt like Nepenthe was a bit of a, a respite for the audience as well it's like there's this little piece of piece of heaven mm-hmm. you know on the yep. planet and it's not perfect things some bad things can happen there but it's this really lovely place and we can kind of be a little bit more optimistic about the world in general the universe in sure general, we, we, Monday, so. we we can ha- uh, eat good food and tell jokes and have a normal human light level yeah no kidding i know it was so much brighter so much yeah, brighter pleasantly okay yeah. i have to comment on the name fast did did the the name Nepenthe remind you of anything? Um. Well, it reminded my husband of a place on Mars because he's a oh. Mars scientist. So the first okay. thing he said was, "Hey, I wonder if they're gonna go to Mars because that's the name of a place on Mars." Well, Mars has figured in the action of the series, so Matt could be that. Um, there could be connection there. It reminded me of Rurapente, which is of course the penal colony from Undiscovered Country. Oh. Of course, yeah. And doesn't yeah, yeah. it kind of sound like that? And so, was the first like couple... Like New Panthe or something? Yeah. Like, like, wait, are they going to a frozen prison planet? Or so, like a desert prison planet, just to shake things up? Sure, sure. E- easily, easily. Uh, so, I don't know if that was by design, if it's just a coincidence. I mean, they've been to so many planets, it'd be hard to have a name of one that didn't sound like something. But that was just the, the impression I got. Yeah. But yeah, anyway. no, I think a lot of people online, I heard chatting about like the the connection between the name like Rurapente so for sure you're not alone in that okay good so all right in terms of like going through the episode specifics um I feel like it makes sense to break it down kind of all, all what we already have in terms of setting so there's the stuff on Nepenthe and there's stuff on La Serena and there's the stuff on the Borg Cube yeah um and, and my my predilection is to jump into the stuff on Nepenthe because to me again that's like the meat of the episode I Okay, I agree. I agree. Let me divide some of my notes up like that so so I don't go back and forth. Okay. Sure, sure. All right. So, and I think that the the, um, the episode kind of starts us off here too. Um, so, you know, Picard um, uh, and Soji, um, quote unquote, I'm using heavy air quotes, beam onto this planet. They somehow mm-hmm. transport their bodies to this planet. Um, and here they arrive. And I thought that was a, the 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 meeting of Kestra, who we later learn is the daughter of of Troy and Riker. Um, mm. I thought that was a really cute scene. I love how Picard says, um, "Be sure to aim that." Th-. She's pointing a, an arrow at him, and he says, "Be sure to aim that thing at my head because my heart is unbreakable." Is, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is that... obviously a callback to synthetic heart from uh-huh. Tapestry. Uh huh. 
I'm gonna interject a little technique out here. So when when Q meets him and he like teleports his heart into his hand, he says, "You might have survived if you'd had a real one instead of this unreliable piece of technology." And whenever like I have my <laughs> phone crash or whatever, when it should work the way it normally should, I always the the term unreliable piece of technology comes into my mind. So <laughs> I'm. I'm glad that Picard's heart is a little more reliable nowadays, that it can't be killed by an arrow. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So, um, yeah, so we have this awesome, you know, scene in the beginning. And then um, this, like, knowledge bomb, which is this really pivotal moment in the show, the moment that Soji learns her true nature mm-hmm. is when... I'm, I'm like surprised Picard handled this well. So they're they're walking to to Rik- the Riker's home, and she's just like, "Oh, you you said you you know the um, Kestra says to 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 Picard and Soji, oh like Picard knows your father or something. Who was he?" And Picard's just like, "So you've heard of Commander Data?" Uh-huh. And that's like I couldn't believe he said that. I thought he'd be like, "Well, like let's get settled and then we'll we'll." Because I thought he was gonna like sit down and talk to her and be like, "All right, yeah. put the pieces together. Here's all the pieces for you." Yeah, but he just kind of blurted it out, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Excuse me, what?" Mm-hmm. Just out of nowhere. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know how, what you think about that. I thought it was a little strange and it looked it- a little harsh for her to. Put the it was a little in that sudden. way while she's meeting this like rando little girl in the forest. Yeah, especially since if Picard wanted to figure out the right way to do that, he has like a trained therapist who probably would know the right way to deliver bad, potentially shocking news to somebody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's he's coming. Like, well, let's get settled down. We just like escaped this board cube situation. Like, let's chill out for a moment and then maybe like, lay this life changing knowledge on her. But. She takes it pretty well, I would say, actually. You know, she obviously has a hard time adjusting, but overall? I, the main thing from this I thought was weird is how they were talking, and maybe this isn't answering your question directly, is the talking about how their other child died from, uh-huh. like, a quote-unquote computer virus. Did I understand that correctly? Like oh. Thad. They're talking about Thad. Yeah, honestly, I didn't even catch that it was a computer virus because they yeah, said sad. like the only way we could make a cure was using a positronic brain and there weren't any oh, positronic yes. brains then yeah yeah i didn't i didn't think that the virus but maybe it was i didn't understand that part of it i thought they just like that was the only way to create the cure because it required such complex algorithms or something oh that's, that's what, that's what like my that. interpretation oh, was. oh okay okay all right that that's logical anyway i i just thought that was that was kind of weird yeah, the Soji stuff with uh, Kestra, that was fun, I guess. It was nice to have a little more relaxed atmosphere, but I do mm-hmm. see your point that you're that you're making. But yeah, I agree. Like, the overall atmosphere of all of those scenes was so much more lighthearted. And yeah. We got to hear Kestra sort of retelling some of the history of Data, which was nice for, for those of us, the fans who haven't, you know, seen much of TNG maybe, or our new fans. So giving more background on like, who's this character that we're supposed to care so much about this guy, this, you know, Android who's dead now. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. And then for the rest of us, obviously who have, who love this character, just hearing her talk about him. Yeah. Was, I loved it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and for him, for her to be able to talk to it about him in a kind of legendary way. Totally. 
That was that was nice, refreshing. Yeah, I also there are two little moments right at the beginning that I really liked when he first arrives there. One was um, when Deanna first meets him. She like kind of looks him in the eyes, and you can t- she's you can tell she's being very empathic right there. Like she knows Picard is in distress, and she's just kind of quietly. I don't want to necessarily use the word scanning him, but you can tell she's perceiving things about him that a normal person couldn't perceive because of her extrasensory perception. And Deanna's empathy is something that frequently was either just forgotten or the aliens were immune to it. Like they decided halfway through, like, Betazoid telepathy doesn't work on Frankie. Or it was basically (laughs) Gwen from Galaxy Quest pointlessly stating the obvious. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh yeah. oh yeah. So I like this that they just show without to use our term hanging a lantern on it. They're showing, hey, this this character can very quickly determine what our hero's distress is without having to necessarily ask him what's going wrong. So I like that. Yeah. There's a little detail. Yeah, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about that. Whatever it is, fifteen twenty second scene between Deanna and Picard, and like. Wow, shout out to Marina Sirtis. Yeah, yeah. In this because she job. she doesn't I don't even know if she has any lines in that in those moments. She's just purely acting with her face and body language uh-huh. and you know, embraces him, is happy to see him, and then like you said, intuits all the stuff. And and somehow we know that she understands that he has, you know, aromatic syndrome or whatever it is, something similar to aromatic syndrome. Sure, it's like yeah. Even though she doesn't even say it, and we haven't even talked about it since, like, the first couple of episodes, somehow we know that that's the thing that she just got. It was like, oh, wow. Like, you're, you have this sort of terminal illness. Mm. I mean, that's what, that's how I, that's how I saw it. And I was just like, wow, that's, this is incredible. Like, this really is working for me. Yeah, it shows a lot of restraint from writers and directors to be able to have um, quiet like that and to not constantly be um, talking or blowing things up. So I appreciated that they could do that. Yeah, it's nice when you have writers and and content creators that trust the intelligence of their audience, the emotional intelligence of their audience. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the thing I always love coming back to on the podcast because um, of how much I hate slash love it um, is in, um, in Nemesis, right? When they're showing us um, like pictures of a picture of old of a young Picard. Oh, like in the Academy days. Yeah, and yeah. it's and it's this young it's, guy, but yeah. he, who's like supposed to be like twenty, but mm-hmm. he's bald because, because the audience wouldn't understand that uh-huh. it was Picard if he weren't bald. Yeah, and that's yeah. Just like oh, yeah. I hate that. Yeah, that was. There were are a lot of things wrong with that movie. That is one of them. <laughs> It is the one that made people laugh in the theaters when they weren't supposed to laugh. <laughs> yeah. I laugh every time I think about it. Yeah. As well you should. But yeah, I love, I do really like, something I really like about the writing thus far, I think in general with Picard, for the most part, um, is this uh, trusting the intelligence of the of the audience. And there's there's a, more of that happening later with on La Serena, which I'd like to talk about at some point as well, too. Um but before we leave uh, the Riker and Deanna household, um, certainly a few more important points to pick up on. One thing in particular that I loved about mm-hmm. this, this part of the episode was that Picard finally had two people 
sort of stand up to him. Okay. And and dish out some truth that I think he really needed to hear. Mm. So in the past couple episodes of the pod, we've been talking about how, you know, Picard is sort of sometimes acting like he's not quite getting a situation. Like the, like the moment where he, he, he claps awkwardly after Rafi um, basically destroys a friendship to get them passage onto the board cube and uh-huh. all this stuff. Um, and just like him seeming to be tapped out of certain things that are happening. And then like Riker is like, look, you're not on the bridge of the Enterprise right now. So mm, you sure. can't like, and he even says to him, I think at one point, like, oh, you're, this is typical arrogant Picard or something like that. And then Deanna, I thought it was so great when Deanna's having this wonderful conversation with Soji and, and she eats a, a real tomato for the first time and they're having this moment and, and Soji's able to lash out a bit at her and say, you know, oh, you're being all nice, but like, I can't trust you basically because I can't trust anything. And Deanna like responds in such a wonderful way to that whole thing. Uh-huh. And like, let Soji have this because it's fair for her to feel this way. And you know, Picard walk wanders up and makes some quip at her. She's he's just like, oh, you're right. Like we we're just a complete fabrication, and all this is we're just doing this to trick you. And she shoves him, and like pushes him over and walks away. And him and Riker are just like, uh, you know, kind of huffy about it. And then Deanna's like, I'm sorry, but you deserved that. Mm. And it's like, do you not realize what she's going through? Mm-hmm. And I just like, I was like, thank you. Like someone needed to say that to him. I think he wasn't being sensitive enough that like, that's what Deanna should do. That's what she should do as his um, counselor on the Enterprise. And that's what yeah. she should do as his friend. Yeah, especially since if he's if he's um, a, l- a little out of it and he's maybe more in adventure time mode when he needs to be in uh, sort of caring uh, adult guardian mode. So that was good that she could uh, shine a light on that. So I'm, you can't see me, but I'm, I'm bobbing my head up and down vigorously right now, agreeing with you. <laughs> Thank you for providing that visual. I'm seeing this image of your headphones shaking back and forth. Yep, yep. In a yes, in a yes motion, not in a no motion. Good, good, good. Okay, so I had a couple of thoughts. Uh, one, I liked how when we first see Riker, he's listening to jazz, and they didn't like beat <laughs> yeah. you over the head with it. It was just a cute little thing. Um, I would. Also, don't we oh. see his trombone in the background at some point? I I didn't notice it. it. That doesn't mean it wasn't there. I thought I noticed it. Anyway, go on. Okay, I would have liked to have seen the sacred chalice of Reeks at some point. <laughs> nice call out. There's a uh, there's a uh, later episode of TNG where um, Loxana is listing her titles, and Deanna interrupts her to say the sacred chalice of reeks, reeks is just a clay pot, and so I wanted to see that clay pot there somewhere. Like th- this is <laughs> maybe, and there could be like a picture of Majel above it or whatever as, as a little indicator to it. But I think that would have been cute. They still have the opportunity to do that. Um, mm-hmm. I I I think thought that would have been cute. I love okay. that idea. Okay, then I, I also, I like when Picard is talking to Riker and he's comparing his new crew to the, his um, long, you know, the old-timey crew. And he says, they do seem to be carrying more baggage than any of you ever did. <laughs> and I thought that was a good way of acknowledging that the characters that, the kind of characters that maybe we wanted to see uh, are... Are, we're seeing different characters, mm-hmm. right? 
So I thought of you when when they mentioned that. And then there's that scene where he and and where the two of them are sitting there talking and and kind of bonding over whatever. And it occurred and occurred to me, and I don't know why this came to me, but did Picard ever tell his crew that he met Jim Kirk in Generations? Did he ever tell them that? Oh. I don't I mean, presumably. <laughs> I don't not know if he screen. did. Yeah, I, I, I don't think so. Because for some reason, when they're that scene, I was reminded of, of Captain Kirk. I'm not sure exactly why. And I'm thinking, did he just keep that to himself? Because by the time the ships sh- show up to rescue them, he's already finished building the little cairn, right? Right. Yeah, so they would have never seen. And presumably, yeah. I mean, presumably he talked to them about it afterwards. But I think you're right. I don't think we ever, like, that's not canonized. Yeah. For sure. So we just kind of probably... I mean, surely he had to write some report for Starfleet. So it's got to be on record. Probably. Probably. I don't know. It just, for some reason, that struck me there. I thought, wait, did... You know, because they're bonding over this kind of stuff that they can talk to man-to-man in a way that they couldn't talk about when when he was his commanding officer. He was Riker's mm-hmm. commanding officer. And I thought... That'd be kind of a cool thing to bond with Riker over because it was established like in season one that Riker was more of the uh, Jim Kirk fanboy. Anyway, mm. I'm not entirely sure where that came to me, but that was just something that, that struck me with that little scene there. Anyway, and but listeners, I'll... please obviously correct us yes. <laughs> in the comments if yes, there's something please. we missed. Light up our comment section. We love it. Mm-hmm. Seriously. So that, um... yeah, that was good. That was good. It also, uh, and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, and we can use this to kind of segue into talking about the other storyline. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of weird to me, the or or I would be very interested in hearing the reasoning for the characters from the original show that they've brought back and the ones they haven't. Right, the stuff that they've decided to dwell on and the stuff they haven't. Like, um. Mm-hmm. Like they, 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 okay, they wanted to bring these two back, which is great. It would make sense that, that, uh, Picard would want to go to people he trusts. And in terms of all of his crew who are scattered to the four corners of the galaxy, these are the two who would be living together because they're married, right? So that, so there's some logic there. Um, but then the other characters that they've decided to focus on are Dr. Maddox from Measure of a Man, which is a great episode, but Maddox is not a beloved character. And they didn't even bring the same actor back. Um, so I kind of wondered, like, why they decided to drill in, in on him. And then, and then, uh, okay, the Raffi. Is that her name? Am I saying her name right? Yeah, Raffi. Yeah, okay. Raffaella. Short for Yes, Raffaella. there we go. There we go. So I was thinking it would have been kind of cool to instead of, instead of her bring back the Sonia Gomez character. Do you remember Sonia? Not really. She, okay, so she was in two episodes of the second season. She was she was uh, like um, Jordy's assistant in in engineering, and she's like this this uh, cheerful faced um, young ensign who accidentally spills her hot chocolate on Picard in the episode where we first meet the Borg. So I thought that would have been kind of cool to bring her back hmm. instead of the Raffaella character. Because then there's a little bit more for us to glom onto. And that's one of the problems I have is there's so many characters I don't particularly know or care, to, care about. And they have to have new ones. 
But I'm like, why did they, why is Bruce Maddox a big deal when it could have been whoever? And then, you know, there were maybe some other characters they could have brought back who might have been fan favorites. Yeah, anyway, and I guess maybe, for me, maybe like the wrong. Bruce Maddox thing is more brought back just because they're bringing back this storyline that hinges so much on the episode. And so they use it sure. as just part of this like representation of this touchstone thing. But I yeah. do agree that it's a bit weird how much the series has focused on a man who so much. seems inconsequential to yep. the overall storyline. Yes, good way um, to put it. Except for the fact... Except for the fact that he created this thing. I mean, going after him was completely a MacGuffin. Because, yeah. you know, it didn't make sense. He would go to that planet. You know, and then he showed up and then he's just, and then he just dies. Um, so, which obviously, getting back to the, this particular episode, is, I'm assuming, your segue onto the Borg Cube. Yes. And actually, I was going to say, and tell me if this is, if this would be too cute, but I was thinking. If we want to have a character who we care about, who is deeply involved with artificial intelligence, you know who might have been a better choice? Would have been Dr. Zimmerman from Voyager. Uh, Yeah. Right? Sure. Because he was involved. I mean, we met him in several different episodes. We, I mean, he looks like the act, the doctor, the EMH. So we, so, um, we'd love him more from that. But if, if we were chasing Dr. Zimmerman, who also, you know, he did like artificial intelligence rights stuff. I I think that people might have cared a little bit more about that, rather. Maybe, than... Although I think like TNG is is you know this is obviously touching off of TNG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's it's data. Mm-hmm. You know this, and they weren't gonna do anything with Doctor Soong or something like, or some relative of Soong or something like. So that wouldn't have made sense. So I mean, I feel like Maddox is a logical choice because it's so data focused. Um, uh, from from a continuity the- from from an in world perspective, you're probably right. But I'm thinking hmm. more from the meta perspective of if you're gonna do fan service, you know, do the right fan service. Yeah. Well, but and maybe which, I'm wrong. Which, maybe I'm completely which, wrong. Well, which brings us to something that I think was I've heard a lot of chatter about this online that a lot of people seem Let's to hear it. not be upset, but just like a bit like, well, why have they done this? Hugh, obviously I'm talking, and I'm assuming everyone who's listening to this podcast has seen the episode because, spoiler alert, Hugh dies. That really surprised me. Me too. And I've heard a lot of people say, you know, why would you spend all this time bringing him back to then just kill him? Especially Mm -hmm. even the way it was done. Like, he survives the initial part of this confrontation. Yeah. You think he's set, and he goes and he's hiding, and he just, like, peeks out and then gets, like, beamed in the neck with with the... little dagger and that's it mm-hmm. that's it that's it yeah when when they were shooting all the the other synths i was thinking oh my gosh they're gonna kill hugh i can't believe they're gonna do this and then they right. didn't i said oh okay and then it's like wait what yeah exactly it's the same it's a, it's it, it parallels the idea of bringing him back for the series and then killing him is like they saved him from the situation and then they just killed him mm-hmm. and it was in hugh was was such a wonderful character and i'm not saying we should be off limits from killing beloved characters but like yeah give us something to hold on to hugh was like such a such a piece of good soul that this Mm -hmm. show needs in my opinion not that it's lacking a soul but meaning like it could use more bright spots i think and hugh was like one of the brightest spots yeah also when did you see when um Patrick Stewart went on The View, and he invited Whoopi Goldberg to come on to season two. 
Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, this will be great because then Guinan can be reunited with Hugh because she was such an important yeah. part of that episode. Oh, nope. Sorry, Kayla. They can't do that now because yeah. they, they brutally murdered him. They just murdered him with a knife. Yep. And stupid yeah. Legolas's understudy couldn't save him. Yeah. And stupid Nerissa, the worst character on the show. Yeah. I don't like her. So. So, yeah. So that happened. Um, I guess we should touch on that scene a bit more as well. So this is the whole, like, Nerissa Elnor showdown confrontation fight scene this is like one of the first well not one of the first (laughs) we've had several but one of the there haven't been a ton of like fight scene fight scenes where you're like oh stop stop the plot let's have some choreographed fight action happen Mm -hmm. and so that was fun i suppose um and it was interesting oh i just really hate that character narissa so much she's like this is how the jat vash fight the co-op malat and then just throws her um Disruptor down, and they do some kind of hand-to-hand thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. The, the fight scene was fine, except for then Hugh was dead, and I'm still over here like reeling mm-hmm. from this. The whole rest of the episode, pretty much, I'm just like, wait, go back. <laughs> yeah, you know, if you want to send a character who people like off, there's ways to do it that are a little more narratively satisfying. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. Rather than just, oh, collateral damage. Exactly. Exactly. He was just collateral damage. And then he says to um, he says to Elmore, you know, go back to the queen cell. You're going to need an XB to activate it. Um, so uh-huh. I don't know exactly what he's going to do. Because I don't think, I don't know that he was in on whatever Hugh's plan was. So hopefully he just figures it out. Because I don't think the XBs are going to be much help. Uh-huh. Um, but then... And this is sort of <clears throat> jumping ahead a bit, maybe. Um, but while we're still on the board cube, mm-hmm. um, Elnor calls, and this is the you know the the hook for next week's episode. Calls on presumably seven of nine using that like communication token thing. Uh-huh. So did any was anyone else confused about where the heck that thing came from? It just looked like it was like hanging on the cube. Yeah, I had no idea. Because it was given to Picard, and then Elnor just, like, looks up, right? He was, like, dead on the floor. And Elnor, like, looks up, and it, like, it, it looks like it's just, like, hanging there. Maybe maybe I didn't see this correctly, but it looks like it's just, like, hanging out on the board cube, and he just grabs it and calls her. I guess security on board cubes isn't what it used to be. <laughs> I was a bit confused by that, but I'm like, okay, at least they're... They're bringing this back, so like this this coin thing is gonna have a use, and it's it wasn't just a, a little thing that they put in there just in case they wanted to bring it back. They actually planned to use it, mm-hmm. so we'll see where that goes, I guess. So that's like that's I I think we've pretty much covered everything on the board cube, right? I think you're right. I think you're right. So meanwhile. This is our three different storylines happening in three different places. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, back on La Serena, um, we have some interesting things going on between the triad left aboard, Rios, Agnes, and Rafi. Mm-hmm. And it's really a character arc for Agnes here. Who I think is great. I She's one of my favorite characters. 
I really like her, and I and I I worry sometimes I'm a little too negative, and people out there in the shuttle pod land might be saying, "Does Jared even like Star Trek?" I really <laughs> like the Agnes character. Whenever she's on screen, I feel like, "Hey, they're doing good Star Trek stuff with this science lady." Nice. I really like her too. I love the actress who plays her. I loved. I liked her in the newsroom. Um, uh, so oh, awesome. the, oh, she was again. in that. That's right. Yep, okay, because yep. I didn't really recognize her. I was looking at her Wikipedia page today, and it's like, good heavens, she's been in a lot of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I guess uh, I didn't watch American Horror Story Cult, which oh yeah, uh, well there is, you go, is not on my list of things to see. But apparently, she was on that. But yeah, I know her from the newsroom. So okay, yeah, that's right, that's right. She okay now. Now that you mentioned that, I do remember. I saw a couple episodes of that, and she was good. She, she's this great actor, and she I think she has this great way of like looking like a. You know, like a doe, just like in the headlights a bit. Just kind yeah. of like, huh? Um, which is what? good for this character because I think Agnes is is pretty naive. Well, she's she's really good at being a science lady in a lab Clearly. back she's very, in very Okinawa smart. or wherever it was. She's not a field agent. So it's kind of like um, the Jack Ryan of the 24th century, right? Hmm. So. I like that that they're able to explore that with her that hey mm-hmm. not every person who is involved in our you know the adventures of the future is going to be uh, amazing at everything right here's somebody who we're going to play as more of a normal person and I totally. think that's that's one thing that people liked about you know your characters like uh, Reg Barkley and so mm-hmm. I think she's channeling that really well also I hate red velvet cake too so when she kind of threw up when there was red velvet, I thought this girl just keeps winning all the winning. I thought it was pretty funny. I honestly was like, "Holy crap, is that blood?" I had the same reaction that Rios did. <laughs> the Rafi's like, "No, it's red velvet. She's fine." But the the thing of Rafi being like Mama Rafi or Auntie uh-huh. Rafi or whatever it is, she says it and you know, takes her under her wing, almost literally puts her arm around her and like, yeah, yeah. like you know, if we're gonna get you whatever you need, she's like, "Is it cake?" <laughs> <laughs> yes yes it's cake and she apparently had eaten like three cakes or something uh-huh yeah yeah so that's that's a really cool moment we hadn't really seen much between rafi and agnes so much mm-hmm. um because they're pretty different people like rafi is like the opposite it's like she's not the kind of person who would be in a lab but she's very very sort of street smart she's seen um the tougher side of life that agnes has not and so it's it's interesting to see those characters playing off each other and and you know, like I said, I think this this whole this whole, everything that happens on La Serena this episode is really a vehicle for Agnes's character because she's done this horrible thing. You know, she's killed her, her lover and mentor and this you know genius important man. She's killed him, essentially yeah. in cold blood, um, and she's being used by Commodore O, who is the secret not so secret Romulan. You know, and she's she's has all this guilt over things she's done, and it seems like this episode is the turning point for her where she starts to realize that she maybe didn't make the right decisions about mm. things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's starting to happen when she's, you know, eating all the cake and vomiting, and she's freaking out on them. She's like, let's not go, Dimpente. We just, let's just go home. I don't want any of this. And they're like, all right, all right. Um, and that, that ends with, you know, going through this whole thing. Um, Rios helps this along, right? Because he goes to her and, and tells her that he believes that Rafi is being tracked because that uh-huh. would explain why they can't shake this this cloaked ship that's following uh-huh. them. Um, and but I never believed that Rios believed that. Okay. 
To me, it seemed like he was saying to her, hey, Agnes, don't you think Rafi is being tracked? Let's confront Rafi, giving her, giving Agnes the opportunity to say, oh, no, no, it was me. I don't know, did you get that read off it, or did you think he really thought Rafi was the one? I didn't think too much about it, to be perfectly honest. I may not have been following as close attention to that part. I did like when Rafi referred to herself as a wreckage of a good person. I thought that was a good line. That was a wonderful line. It's sad. Anyway. Well, you know, that uh, not all of us turn out to be the men that we hoped we one day to become. That's from uh, Master and Commander. So oh. sometimes that happens. Anyway. Um, I'm not answering your question, though. I'm kind of dodging the question. <laughs> That's okay. If you didn't get that, I mean, I'm not sure. At first, I was sure, 100% sure, he was just goading her. He was go he knew it was Agnes, and he was goading her into letting her tell it for herself instead of him, you know, confronting her with this thing. But then later, he really does seem to act like he thinks Rafi is being tracked. So I'm not 100% sure on that. But if, if you just go back and watch that scene, maybe with that in mind... Uh, you know, let me know if you think, because he just, the way he does it, he's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Rafi. And like, he knows Rafi pretty well. I, I don't think he would really think that she would be dumb enough to let that happen to her without her knowing. Mm -hmm. Is Rafi, you know, she may have her issues, but she's very technologically savvy and she sure. would notice, you know. Um, and of course, so whether or not he was trying to go this out of her, you know, it works or it just happens that she does decide to come forward and say no 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 it's me and he's always like you ha huh, i can't even believe it wing mm. maybe maybe <laughs> um and you know she's like no no it's me and so that you know something happens to distract the situation and she takes it upon herself then this is her moment of you know repenting for the guilt and the shame of what she has done and for what she thinks she has to do is, is that she she injects that, herself. Sorry, go ahead. Is that why the episode is named Nepente? Because it kind of sounds like repent. Is that what they're doing there? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Am it seems I like straining? a stretch. I think a little bit. Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, sorry. I, I distracted you. No, that's all right. So yeah, Agnes to me feels like she's repenting in this moment. Um, so um, and before she does this, she, she injects herself with a hyper spray and like foams at the mouth and goes into a coma. And, and we learn, though, in this whole thing of, of, of Agnes coming to truth within herself, we finally learn what happened between her and that, that scene where o, Commander O is wearing those terrible 90s sunglasses. Holy crap. Holy crap. Those, was, is she like a, an extra from the 1997 Men in Black movie? Right, or like The Looked Matrix or something? so bad. Yeah, I know. I hate the sunglasses so much. Like, they could have used any other sunglasses. <laughs> Not only do they look modern, they look like they're from the 90s. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they and no one wears... Well, anyway, we talked about this in a previous episode. Okay. Yeah. But the sunglasses are awkward. Anyway, moving on from the sunglasses, though. Um, so we learn, right, that O has come to her um, and, and basically says, I know you've been talking with Picard and, and all the stuff that's questioning her. Agnes is like, am I in trouble? She's like, no, but you need to know, blah, blah, blah. Let me show you. And then I'm a bit confused on what happens here. I mean, I know what happens here, but I'm a bit confused because of what we know about Commander O. So she, mm -hmm. again, heavy air quotes, mind melds mm -hmm. with Agnes and yep. shows her the future or a possible future, even though 
she's like a hundred percent Romulan. Like it's so not a secret. They keep mentioning it. You know the 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 um the writers and 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 directors and producers like keep mentioning things about her being Romulan. And also, that's definitely not how mind melds work. Like they don't show you the future. I I think she was putting like a hypnotic su- suggestion into her mind. Like that was an image she wanted her to see. Sure. Okay. But like, it wouldn't if like if if a let's say we live in the Star Trek universe, a Vulcan or someone you think is a Vulcan comes to you and it's like, oh, I need to tell you something. Let me mind meld with you. And you're like, okay, um, and they do it. And they show you some horrible vision of the future. Wouldn't the first... I mean, maybe the emotion is just so powerful that you just can't logically deal with it. But wouldn't you... The first thing you think be like, wait a minute. Vulcans don't know the future. You're trying to manipulate me. Uh, Yeah, that would be my reaction. Especially given the... um, Especially given, like, the... the, I don't want to say violence of it, but the suddenness Mm -hmm. of it. It's mm-hmm. like when um, when uh, uh, the scene did not remind me of Sarek coming to Kirk in Search for Spock and being very gracious about, I think I should mind meld you to see if my son's eternal soul is in your brain, right? Which right. Uh, it was just kind of like, it's kind of like, uh, hey, I'm going to grab your face and, and uh, <laughs> mess with your brain. Yeah, without asking. And oh, for by clear the way, consent. I just slipped off my. Yeah, yeah, that that as well. And oh, by the way, I just took off my evil villain sunglasses that I'm wearing. <laughs> right. <sighs> uh, yeah. So I, I mean, I, I get that that you know Agnes is a bit um, naive, but it just seems to me like this is. Like, she would stop and think about this. I don't know. But again, my, my only explanation, my sort of headcanon of, as of now, is that the emotion of it was so strong. I think she also okay. vomited at that point, too. Yes, um, she did. She that did. Just the, that just the emotion took over. And so, you know, sometimes when a really emotional, traumatic thing happens to someone, they they can't think about it logically. And that's just, that's their truth Sure, because this is what shock is. Yeah, yeah. So she's had this trauma happen to her. By oh, but it's just like I wish you would sit down and think about all this is like in this logical way and realize that it, it doesn't add up, and maybe she's starting to do that. Hopefully, hopefully, it, in some ways, it kind of feels like it's more her journey than anyone else's, and this is where you know I really wish they had a smaller cast because I think this would be more fun if it were like Picard and Agnes going around rather than Picard and Soji. Hmm. There's just, there's so many, there's so many characters in this, Kayla, and there's way too many Romulans. There are way too many Romulans. Way too many. Holy cow. Um, also, why do we need this many? Left. We don't have that many episodes left to wrap up all of these different narrative threads. So no. they better weave together pretty quickly here. Uh-huh. I don't know if they will. It's kind of like... um. What happened with Game of Thrones, where they kept, like, spiraling out of control, introducing more characters, more claimants to the throne, more locations. And then after a while, they're like, we just need to start killing characters to get rid of them because there's too many names up on our whiteboard and we need to erase them. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Yeah, there is a lot going on here. And then we're even... I, I thought Seven, honestly, was... I, I 
maybe maybe it's a stupid of me to think this, but I didn't think we were going to see her again because the the world is so busy with people. Yeah, I yeah, know. I thought I thought Seven's moment was was done. Me so too. I was surprised to see, and, and I try to not watch the um, next week on Star Trek Picard because same back and okay, and you you know watched all these on DVD or whatever, but like watching these shows on Sunday afternoon in the late eighties and early nineties. Those next week on Star Trek The Next Generation ruined <laughs> so many episodes. Yeah. So many episodes. Like, okay, the drumhead, we talked about that right before we got started. How Admiral Satie becomes like evil. They ruined that in the preview. Like they totally spoiled the moment. They oh, wanted no. their they wanted their um their uh, uh uh, what's the line from uh, uh, a few good men? The uh, you can't handle the truth moment. They oh, wanted yes. to show that in the tr- in the trailer for it, and so when it gets to the episodes, it's like, come on! Now what do I have to look forward to? I know what's coming. You ruined yeah. this episode. So I, I I only watched the first couple seconds of that, and then I cut out, you know, because it was up on, uh, you know, I couldn't get to it soon enough. So I was surprised to see uh, Seven coming back. Oh, so I guess we spoiled that for anyone who's better at avoiding these things. <laughs> well, but then again, when Elnor uses that um, that uh, communications beacon, I-, I thought it was pretty clear that he was calling Seven because she left that with Picard. Mm-hmm. And she was like, if you never need, you know, a vigilante or whatever, uh, Ranger, mm-hmm. you know, Ranger. here's my number. Um, so he calls them. <laughs> so I-, I guess I kind of figured that was Seven. Because I-, I didn't watch the next week either. I never oh, watched the okay. next week. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, they-, they threw Jerry Ryan in there. Yeah. So she's back. We'll see what happens there. I'm really like, I really don't know what's going to happen at the end of this because I'm so confused about the motivation of the villains. I don't think they're particularly good villains. I'm so much more interested in what's happening with like Picard and Soji and Jurati. So like, like I I think I feel like a lot of fans have felt this way that the, the weakest part has been the stuff that happens in the Borg cube, except for the Hugh stuff, which is great. And but is like, now over, Kayla, because they murdered him. Because yeah, they murdered him with a knife. With a knife. I no, you. if that had happened to Seven on Voyager, nanoprobes would have saved her from a tiny little knife wound. Yeah, the maybe, thing, maybe, maybe next episode other thing, he'll be okay. Here's hoping. Here's hoping we can all hope. Also, did, did you ever see that movie, Goodfellas? Uh-huh. Okay, so there's like a scene where they're taking a guy out to bury him. And they and he's like in the trunk of the car, and they open the trunk, and he's still alive and kicking. And so Joe Pesci stabs him like twenty-seven times, like <laughs> uh, to to really kill someone with a knife, you have to go to town on them because it's a tiny little thing, right? If you you know you didn't hit him in the eye or whatever, that that little knife throw, it's little, it's just too Hollywood. That wouldn't kill him anyway. I don't know. Well, why presumably I'm they hit him in the jugular, that. so he just bled out super quick. Okay, well then what's his, then Legolas should not have pulled the knife out. He should have leave, left it in until a healthcare provider can actually <laughs> attend to it. It's true. Where where are the medical staff? <sighs> emergency, anyway. you know, two to beam to the sick bay emergency. Exactly. Yeah. So. Man, but I guess they're do? in they're in a bit of a pickle at the moment though cuz they basically, you know, Hugh I kind of understood that Hugh had some kind of like not only leadership position within Starfleet's mission there, but um, within the Federation's mission there, rather. But I thought he had sort of some sort of like leadership on the cube. But it seems like the you no, know, all the Romulans own that whole thing, and you know, um, Hughes just there, you know, at their at their pleasure. 
So, because as soon as he sort of sides with Picard, it's like he has no power to call on the resources of the cube. It's the Romulans controlling everything. So, mm. so you know, it, presumably there wasn't, maybe there wasn't anyone there to save him if he's now branded as some, you know, rogue agent by the, the powers that be on the cube. Well, and they kept talking about, like, treaty violations. And so maybe there's, like, a... A, a joint operating agreement that says, oh, sure, you can send Hugh or whomever here to work, but then they're under our jurisdiction. Yeah, something like that. And because Hugh is a member of the Federation, so that she wasn't able sure. to kill him at first. And whatever. Yeah, the whole thing is kind of weird. But again, I hate Narissa so much. Yeah, me um, too. I really, I, I don't, uh, I, uh, and again, too many Romulans. Why can't, if they need, why do they need her and Admiral O? Just pick one. Yeah, Commodore O. Yeah, they, they're all going to have to come together at the end here. And I'm just, I'm really interested to see how they do it. Hmm. Um, we'll see. So a couple little things. Um, I thought, like, we could just name some of the cool, the cool callbacks. There were a lot of them in episodes, so, you know, I'm not going to go through every little thing. We mentioned a few already. Um, Kestra. Uh, the daughter of uh, Riker and, and Deanna is named after uh -huh. Deanna's sister, who died as a child, as uh, revealed. Oh, in the yeah, Page. that's right, from Dark Page. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, I missed that. That was cute. <laughs> mm hmm. And um, let's see. So we mentioned Picard's synthetic heart, as introduced in Tapestry. Um, there's a shout out mm -hmm. by Gerardi to the Gorgamander, which was introduced in Discovery. Oh, very good. Um,. And, oh, and this is uh, an interesting one, potentially a very interesting one, hopefully not that interesting. <laughs> Some of what we see in the in Agnes's mind meld with Commander O, flash, they, she sees a bunch of flashes. Some of those flashes was actually footage originally used in Discovery when Spock mind melds with the Red Angel and learns about the destruction caused by the control AI. And so people oh, okay. are wondering is this like for budgetary reasons like they just grabbed these flashes to show these horrible things or is there some kind of bizarre link between discovery and picard which i hope not frankly i i think the first answer is very plausible okay yeah i mean they had so, to know so though, that worry. people were gonna freeze frame that stuff like come of on course. we're trackies yeah. come on well and it this could be whatever whatever um lingering influence jj abrams has this could just be one of his mystery boxes that he's thrown out there sure sure or i guess it's you know maybe it's kurtzman kind of connection i don't know sure um anyway yeah like i'm kind of hoping that they're not trying to draw some connection between control and the synths and all this stuff but we'll see in the next couple episodes um and obviously like i said i'm not gonna i haven't named all of the the, the call outs um because there are a ton in this episode but leave mm -hmm. a comment um on our website um for this podcast episode and let us know if there were others that like you thought were great or that you hated like what were your favorite you know shout outs in this episode yes leave it a com leave a comment uh, uh below uh, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Yeah, and, sure. And if you subscribe want to, go ahead. to our TikTok channel or no, create one no, for us because no. we don't have the energy to do that. We will not be having a TikTok. <laughs> Sorry, kids. Sorry, kids. We do have an Instagram. You can check it at Trek Movie on everything. Um, but yeah, yeah. Tell us what 
tell us what you think we missed talking about in this episode. Um, but yeah, overall, I like I said at the beginning of this podcast, I really enjoyed this episode. I thought it was one of the stronger ones. Um, the pacing was great. And all the stuff on Nepenthe, I thought they knocked it out of the park. I really enjoyed watching it. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm hoping that... Um, you know, the, some of the issues that you brought up, uh, which were very good points about the sort of disjointedness. I hope that that's getting resolved in the next few few episodes. And ironically or not ironically, I don't know. But next week's episode is called Broken Pieces. Ooh. So uh, maybe we're putting those broken pieces back together. Heading off towards the finale. Fingers crossed. And how many total episodes are there, Kayla? Um, Ten? Oh, okay. So, so we okay. There's still a little bit more. Yeah. So, I believe it was originally written as eight. Is that yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, it does feel a bit like this is you know seven or eight episodes stretched into ten. There, there are some places where there's like extra meat shoved in there. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking next week was the last episode, but I guess I was wrong. Yeah. No, I know, right? So it it. it We've got three more episodes to go, uh, eight, nine, and ten. So um, they do at least have a little bit of time to wrap things up, a little bit more than than that. So that's good. Okay, well, hopefully all questions will be resolved adequately. Everything will be revealed next week on Star Trek Picard. Broken pieces. All right, well, I think that's it for us. Yes. Um, thanks so much for joining us as always, guys, and we will see you next week. Take care, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye.